Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Entrepreneur 101. Class is in session. My name is Russ Terry, founder and CEO here at Life Coach Radio Networks, and I'm super excited to bring you episode two. Uh, my guest today is super awesome. We actually went to high school together, which is so cool, and uh, I'm glad one of our classmates mentioned that he would be great for this podcast. So shout out to Maurice Malfatti for that recommendation. All right. So without further ado, this week's guest is Ken O'Brien. He's been the COO of the International Business Unit at GainCapitalForex.com and more recently a Deputy Chief Experience Officer at Saxo Bank in London, where he's calling from today. Ken's adept at building efficient infrastructure and scalability for organizations that are in hyper-growth mode. He was instrumental in transitioning Gain Capital from a private startup with less than $25 million in revenue to a New York Stock Exchange publicly traded industry leader, earning $200 million plus in revenue. Ken, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Russ. Really, uh, really appreciate being here. Well, it's uh, awesome to be reconnected with you, and uh, I'm so proud uh, of you and all that you have accomplished over the years, and I'm looking forward to catching up with you in great detail on uh, everything that we're going to talk about today. Good stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. So if you're listening and you want to ask Ken a question as we get through, give us a ring, 619-924-0980. That's 619-924-0980. All right, so uh, let's start with your early career. You spent your uh, early professional years at FNX Limited, a tech startup that was later acquired by SunGuard. So Correct. back then, what made you want to join an organization like that? Because a tech startup, when we were coming up out of college in the 90s, you know, wasn't exactly as common as it is today. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head there. It was, um, you know, a really, really exciting time in both FinTech and uh, FinServe. Um, you know, this was early uh, risk management uh, technology, pretty cutting edge stuff at the time. It was was uh, fortunate to get in there very early. Um, you know, to be to be honest, the the appeal was, uh, you know, it was the dawn of the uh, the dot com era. So there was just a lot of things ping pong tables in the lobbies, you know, the whole, uh, you know, shorts to work. And, you know, that was, that was all very appealing at the time. And um, I got lucky enough to opportunity to jump in at an early stage there, which, um, you know, really, uh, really played out well and spent, you know, nearly a decade, uh, a decade with the same firm. So that was early in my career and fortunate to, um, you know, to, to, to ride that out that way. So given that that's literally when this all started, does that mean that in high school and college you didn't have working in tech uh, or in a startup environment on your radar? You know, that's funny. Uh, I was an accountant by trade, so it was really um, exactly that. There was nothing in my background or my education that, that really directly prepared me for uh, you know, where those technologies were going. So, you know, that, that, that to, to some effect was, was kind of just uh, a victim of circumstance and uh, got in there as the assistant controller, um, was actually a colleague of mine, um, you know, a former, former college uh, classmate 
that got in there early. Uh, he was in a finance uh, uh, degree, and they needed a, an accountant. And uh, you know, in, in the early days of of those uh, the startups, you were wearing a lot of hats. So you know, it was it was quickly from the accounting side, and um, you know, moved into some of the back office elements of of the software, which you know had a finance and accounting kind of feel or spin to it. But again, this was this was early stage um, software development, um, and you know I was able to to get in there early enough and be fairly instrumental in creating a lot of that um, those systems and those platforms for for the uh, for the firm itself. I love that you said number one that you really had nothing in your background that would prepare you for this. Now, obviously, accounting is an excellent foundation, and that's how you got your foot in the door, but. I think that goes to show if we're smart people, if we're hardworking, if we're creative and strategic, we can be successful at things even if we don't necessarily have the experience yet. Completely agree. You know, there's there's uh, so many people or so many um, you know, individuals that have crossed my path in my career that – you know, you take a turn. You just need to be able to, uh, uh, you know, opportunity knocks. You know, it's it's really just opening the door and um, you know getting into something that's interesting. And you know, as you know, and and especially today, things are rapidly changing at at every turn. And it's really by the time you get out of school or you you complete your education, it, it's rare that that there hasn't been a deviation from what you're originally intending. It's just moving so quickly, and you need to be able to adapt. And that's really really what happened to me early days. And we could probably have an entire separate conversation on that about how fast-changing. I interact with a lot of college students, and it's great to see pursuing an entrepreneurial path on the side simultaneously to getting their education. And I think they learn a lot from being entrepreneurs uh, in addition to the classroom learning that they do while they're in college. Totally agree. And actually, it's funny. I just, I'm sorry, go ahead. If you were going to. No, no, please go for it. No, I was, it's funny. You you mentioned that I just had an interesting conversation with, with my son to that regard regarding entrepreneurial um, courses and, 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 um, you know, manner of study within the university system that, that kind of leave those opportunities or leave them open-ended because a lot of people don't exactly know which direction they're going to end up. And a lot of the schools now are are creating adaptive type uh, curriculum, you know, around that and just in an entrepreneurial or business sense kind of feel. So, um, quite relevant to, to me personally as well now, given, uh, you know, my kids are becoming ages where they're going to have to make some of those decisions. Wow. Very cool. Well, good to see that colleges, which, you know, you don't always think of colleges as an adaptive industry, but right. uh, I know and to them, but excellent to see that they are adaptive because I think, as you said, things are rapidly changing and changing at such a rapid pace that, right. uh, you have to be adaptive to stay current and to attract students and to best prepare your students for uh, the real world in exactly. and beyond. So uh, you said a few minutes ago you wear a lot of hats at mm. a startup environment. So what are the benefits of wearing a lot of hats? Well, you know, it, like anything, pros and cons, right? You know, the the jack of all trades, master of none, is is not, you know, the the sort of scenario I'm I'm, I'm recommending. But very early in my career, and and actually throughout my career, um, 
you know, in, in a startup environment and, and in these smaller organizations, you're going to need to develop complementary skill sets, um, you know, that, that may not be a, a particular um, siloed or, or I don't want to say pigeonholed, but, you know, you're, you're going to be able to need to adapt to that um, pretty, pretty much on the fly, you know, whereas finance and accounting, which was my background, was very complementary in the development of the software and some of the examples I gave there. But, um, you know, it's good to be able to be plugged in in a number of different areas, and especially in an entrepreneurial environment, you're going to need that skill set where you, you can't just sit in, you know, at your desk and perform one individual task. You know, it's, it's a lot of times or a lot of the demands are going to be um, diverse and, and, and varied, and you need to be able to, um, you know, feel comfortable in, in that sort of environment because it's necessitated. And I think, you know, some of the things we'll probably go into in a little bit more detail, th those complementary nature uh, and surrounding yourself with, with um, complementary skill sets and not exactly uh, same or like thinking at, at all times. So, um, you know, that's, I like that. It, it, keep, it kept it nimble for me. Wearing a lot of hats really precludes you from, from going down too far in a, in a, in a, um, you know, in a silo. And it, that diversity has just been something I've looked for throughout my career and, and been fortunate enough to allow that to happen. I love that you just mentioned that. So I'm going to follow up uh, right now on it. Uh, I always say great minds think alike, but different minds accomplish more. Yeah. Because, uh, if we find people who are just like us, then chances are they'll come up with the same solution that we would have come up with. But <laughs> exactly. Work. Yeah, if we work with people who are different from us, then we're more likely to have different um, input, different opinions. doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong, but I think it right. overall helps the team come up with a better solution. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, the 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 you know the ability to to have debate and, and different perspective you know is is healthy and at times absolutely necessary because I, I completely agree with where the direction you were just going there that you know you may not always like the answer you get but um, you know you need differences of opinion to to grow and to strategize and and you know frankly you know we're we're all we're not always right you know and, and you need to be able to recognize that and and surround yourself and have the the ability or the, the comfort to surround yourself with people that in many cases could be more skilled or, or more um, experienced in, in certain areas because it only betters you or betters the, the environment that you're in. And I, I love what you just said now, also the comfort of surrounding yourself with people who are very talented. I think sometimes people get into a situation where they feel competitive with right. business colleagues and that doesn't benefit us. If we're confident in our abilities, things that we do well, then uh, it benefits everybody if we pull in, as you say, complementary pieces, people who have different skills, different experience, et cetera. That makes us overall better, and they are better at us in certain things, and we want people who are better than us in certain things. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't agree more. What were some of the skill sets that you sought out in other people as you expanded your team places you've worked? Oh, that's a that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, not all of them are are uh, you know what what would I say? Uh, you know, 
business business aptitude. Um, a lot of times there, there's personalities, you know, where, you know, in a in a in a hyper growth mode, you know, you you need obviously to have structure and you know there's not always a lot of structure when when you're first starting out so uh you're looking for both skill set you know from an industry standpoint whether that's software whether that's technology or finance accounting what have you but the right personalities you know um you know who's going to be the face uh, of your organization you know you're going out and you're trying to strike strategic relationships or uh you know just sales 101 so it's it's a complement of both in 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 my opinion that you you know you want the right personalities as well as the right skill sets and they could be all different verticals um you know obviously the the sales and relationship uh individual the the structure and and uh, organization individual um and you know, obviously, the accountant, and to to put all these pieces together into a management team or a a group that interact very well with one another, um, are complementary in nature. You know, hammering that point again. Um, but you know, there's you need to be able to have a, that healthy debate, and and the organization, you know, these individuals need to work and gel well together for you know, especially in a startup environment, because there's going to be you know, a lot of trying situations and, and you really need to have a team mentality to, uh, to, you know, uh, navigate some of those, some of those pitfalls. I love that you mentioned personality. It's funny before we started the show today, I'm working on a, what's my style presentation for a FinTech company in New Jersey. And hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. The four different styles are direct, spirited, considerate, and systematic. And, I come out as direct as my primary and considerate as my secondary. And the direct makes sense, you know, as a solo entrepreneur, I need to work independently, take charge, get results, et cetera. But then the coach in me is considerate. You know, I listen, I work well with others, I consider others' feelings, I'm patient, et cetera. So those are my top skill sets. And then I was looking at systematic, which is definitely not me, uh, analytical, <laughs> like the task-oriented environment, asks for specific details, things of that nature. I'm, that's definitely not me. But the project manager, who's my point of contact at the company, she is very systematic. So right. even though sometimes when she emails me with a bunch of questions, part of me groans a little bit. I'm also grateful because she thinks of the things that I'm not thinking of. That's a great point. Uh, you know, you, you, you feed off one another, you need to be able to anticipate. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great point. And, you know, those personalities, not, not just the skill sets, but those personalities need to gel for, um, you know, for that to be successful. And I, I, I completely agree. So as you were interviewing potential candidates to join the startup, would you assess their personality formally or informally in the interview process? Ah, that's, I mean, the, the, that, I think that's human nature to, to, to be honest. Um, you know, the answer to the question is yes. Um, it wasn't something that I would formalize questions around or, or really try to, uh, to, to nail anybody down on that, but it's really just a read of the room, right? You know, whether the interactions or, um, you know, uh, how do they interact not just with me, but how will they interact with, with other team members? And, you know, a lot of times we, we did a, a vote by committee kind of, um, um, uh, I guess, review process where, you know, they, they would obviously interview with multiple people, but that assessment was definitely, um, 
part of the package, you know, and, and how would they get along with so-and-so if they were working within the sales organization, or if we were looking for a new technologist or developer, how would they work well with, with that team and, and, and what they were doing to, you know, looking to do. So, you know, was it a formal question or a formal kind of test? No, but it, it definitely was an assessment in the criteria. And I, I think everybody kind of saw that as a, as a vital or important part of that process. Excellent. Well, I think uh, all of us can learn from that, whether we're in a tech environment, startup environment, or at a very established company. All right, this is Entrepreneur 101. I'm Russ Terry. I'm with Ken O'Brien today, and we're talking startups, technology, being an entrepreneur in that environment. If you have a question for Ken or want to make a comment, give us a ring, 619-924-0980. That's 619 619- Nine two four zero nine eight zero. All right, so uh, I spent a lot of time asking a lot of follow-up questions on uh, your first job, but I think it, it evolved that way, and you brought up a lot of good points. As you think back to your early years at FNX Limited, what did you specifically learn in that environment? Oh, uh, a heck of a lot, actually. Um, you know, the... The early days of those technologies, um, you know, were back of a napkin kind of stuff where you had risk management, not to get too technical or specific on on, um, what the software did, but it was financial software risk management for um, some of the larger uh, financial institutions in the world, the Citibank, Deutsche Bank. And a lot of those mainframe or old uh, systems that they had in place to, to run a front, middle, and back office, and again, not to get too complicated with that, but basically the trading elements um, and the, the interface with, with their customers and how they make money is the front office side. It runs through the middle office into the back office for processing, settlement, and all that sort of stuff. Those systems were so antiquated, so old that this was this was cutting edge stuff. So not only what did I have the the um, you know was fortunate enough to to work with these businesses um, and these banks and and you know in in some of these larger institutions, not only learning the the financial side of it, which was an education for me, you know, coming from where I was and how trading worked and how all those those different um, interactions came together, but then writing specifications and trying to figure out the needs and and how our software could complement what they're doing now. So, you know, it was really, it was really, uh, uh, call it, cutting edge stuff at the time and it, it still continues to, um, to, to develop. But, you know, I find myself or feel very fortunate to have that opportunity to learn both sides of it because the technology was brand new and how that all held together and then marrying it to a need within, you know, the, the, the largest institutions in the world. So, um, you know, that, that really set the course and, and shaped the direction I took in my career and, and, and still, um, you know, in that FinServe, FinTech industry, but that background and knowledge at a very, very early stage and, and sponging, you know, the, the, the ability to take it all in and try to digest it and then fit the need to the, um, to the requirements. So, uh, you know, as I said, I was there 10 years. It was a great run. It was, uh, you know, early, early, um, um, you know, again, new technology at the time that, that, really I benefited from and, and really shaped my career and where I am today. Well, uh, I have a FinTech client here in the New York City area, so I'm going to be sure to share this episode with him because I'm sure he'll like to hear what you have to say. All right, so you mentioned you were there 10 years. The company got acquired. What was that process like being acquired by a bigger company? 
you know that there's again this pros and cons with with um with with everything i mean you know it's kind of daunting and it, at times it's scary because you don't know how that um that transition is going to happen you know uh do you <laughs> frankly do you have a job at the end of it where does everybody come out um you know but the the pro side i mean you have more resources you get you get more experience you you have deeper pockets because the 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 funding and and the ability to develop and and all those things are are good and that's why you get involved in that and you know at the end of the day it's an investment of not just your time but um you know the owners and and the the early investors want some sort of return. So that's, that's an ends to a means. So that's a good thing. You know, everybody gets to be able to take some money off the table. You get more money to do R and D research and development and expand the business. But you know, the, on the con side of it, you know, we experienced, um, you know, and, and I think most firms do, you add a level of complexity that, that you're not used to, you know, when you're, when you're, early stage and you, you're nimble and you have the abilities to make decisions on the fly and, and kind of shape uh, your, your own destiny. And now you have somebody that you're accountable to that, that wasn't there before. You tend to be uh, more reactive as opposed to proactive. So again, some of them can be necessary evils, but you know, they were the, the, the two, I guess, pros and cons that, that I took away from that and hopefully learn from um, later on in my career. But, you know, that level of complexity changes the environment. You know, it's not the same. Um, but again, necessary evil because there's got to be an end to the means. So I hope that answered your question. But that, that's, that's kind of the, the two things that resonate in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I know for me, having worked at PwC all those years, uh, oh, sure. 35 to 40 thousand employees in the US and going from that to being a solo entrepreneur, I personally love not having the complex environment anymore where to right. make changes have to get a whole lot of approvals, etc. I feel like as a solo entrepreneur I can be strategic and creative and when I have an idea, just like the Life Coach Radio Network that we're talking on now, that was my idea and I went out and made it happen and now, you right. know, four years later I'm able to be shows and have podcasts and have other coaches have the podcast, et cetera. So, all right. Well, good to hear the pros and cons. I'm grateful to you for sharing both sides of it. Um, makes sense. Um, you know, good to hear about it in more detail. All right. So after that, you were then handpicked by Gain Capital founder and CEO, the former president of FNX Limited, which had just been acquired to join a new startup team, a new company that had less than 25 employees. So I imagine it probably goes without saying, but being with one startup makes you an excellent candidate to be with another. And the founder obviously must have uh, had a lot of respect for you to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, come on over and join me in my new venture. Uh, what was that experience like at the time? Yeah, that's that. That's a great, great point, and I think it it kind of really, really emphasizes some of the things we were talking about earlier. Where you're, you're looking for certain skill sets, you're looking for certain personality traits, you're looking to kind of connect these these individuals. You know, it's a bit of a puzzle, right? So uh, when Mark um, left to found forex.com uh, which which you know we'll probably cover in a little bit more detail i mean that was completely new business model it was a, it was a completely 
innovative thing in, in the U.S. And, and basically it was retail foreign exchange trading. So uh, buying and selling of currencies, um, you know, mom and pop that, that can invest in that, whereas before that was purely a, a high finance uh, interbank uh, type thing. So this was a, a new idea that um, he was trying to fill certain, um, uh, again, complements or skill sets that, that he didn't have. And, you know, I happened to be one of those, those individuals that he liked in a certain area. They tapped me on the shoulder to, to basically put the structure um, in place and, and some of the things that we learned from what we did at FNX, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was the sales guy, right? So he was the visionary, the entrepreneur and recognized the fact that organization and infrastructure wasn't his thing, you know? So you need to be able to recognize that and your, 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 um, what do you want to call it? Deficiencies and, and plug those with the right people. So, you know, what I, what I, uh, took away from that or, you know, what we, we put together is there were probably five guys that um, were the early, the early adopters in, in Forex.com that came from Gain Capital and Mark basically got the band back together, um, put these pieces in place. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a great run, another 10 years at, at Gain Capital. Um, the, the, the roles adapt, right? So you're brought in to, to perform a certain task. And, you know, in this case, in, in this example, it was, you know, I was putting the infrastructure in place as far as project management, product management, you know, a, a plan and, and a, a deliverable mechanism, scheduling and how that all works. Sounds kind of boring, but, um, you know, it's what I was good at. And that, that's, that's kind of, um, you know, getting it there. Um, the other side of the coin is Mark also ran, uh, he was head of sales at FNX. And again, entrepreneurial, you know, wearing, wearing many hats. Once you know the software, you're pretty much the, the best suited guy to go out and sell it, you know, and actually make the introduction to the customer base and, and, and basically explain it because you build it. You, know, you knew what it does and, and how it complements. So I was kind of that dual role where, hey, put my structure in place. But I know when the, when the time is right, you're going you're gonna, to um, transition into more of an externally facing or, or client uh, facing role, which longer term, that's what I ultimately ended up doing. So it was kind of a twofer to that regard. And there was other twofers within the organization, the, the, um, you know, the finance side of it, uh, the, the, the management team and, and all these sort of things. And he had a real skill for, for putting those pieces together. Um, and again, a little went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but that, that's, that's kind of what I took away from that second go, if you will, with the, with the Forex.com startup. Well, you say tangent, I say that was excellent. I was taking copious notes to ask lots of follow-up questions because I think you shared a lot of really great points. Um, number one, that gets back to what we were saying earlier about style. It seems like Mark realized that, okay, I don't enjoy the infrastructure, uh, the details, et cetera, the systematic right. part of the four different styles, the systematic style. But you were very good at that. So kudos to you for having that skill set. Kudos to him for recognizing that Ken has this skill set. I don't have it. I don't want to have it. Let me bring right. in Ken. He can take care of that stuff. But then I love the change agility that you have, uh, and it seems like a number of your colleagues had, that, yes, you can do the structure part when that's needed, but then you can very easily shift gears into sales mode, use your personality, right. be more externally facing. So as you said, it seems like people who have great change agility and are adaptable and can do a number of different things and enjoy doing a number of different things, it seems like 
that type of person is an excellent or maybe even the best fit for a startup environment. Totally agree. You know, and, and the, to, to add on to that, um, you know, that, that I think is a personality trait where, you know, you, you don't want to be doing, or at least for me, I don't put words in anybody's mouth, but I, I could never do the same thing, you know, day in and day out forever. You know, it just, it, it just wasn't me. And I, and I found that the, the entrepreneurs and, and then the real visionaries that, that I've been exposed to and fortunate enough to be exposed to in, in my career, they have that same attribute and it, and it can be dangerous at times, right? If, if things don't work out or, or, you know, you do change gears, you know, you don't want to be a generalist when it comes to, you know, an interviewer going into a career path. I mean, uh, for me, it's necessary. And, you know, and I've been fortunate enough for that to, to work out to my benefit. And, and, you know, the change agility that you mentioned, I think is spot on. I think that's, that's really it. And it, it keeps it fresh for me. But, uh, you know, there, there is a danger, you know, inherent danger there where, you know, if you are a generalist and you're, and you're looking to go into a certain silo or, or, or business area, you know, that can be looked at as, as, um, you know, not such a great thing. You know, I hope that makes sense, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, just an opinion that I have, or, or, you know, we've had those experiences where the, the generalists or the jack of all trades, if you will, um, you know, that's a, that's a luxury and, and, you know, been lucky enough to, to be successful at that. Yeah. And I can see somebody at a mature organization who's been at a mature organization their entire career, having a certain opinion that, Oh, you know, so-and-so has done all these different things. Does that mean they're not focused on this thing that exactly. they're interviewing for? Exactly. Look at it in a negative way. I think you or I, because we have that entrepreneurial mindset, we look at it as we're agile. We can do anything. We'll roll up our sleeves and do this if we need to, and then button our sleeves, put the suit on, and do this if we need to. That's it. Spot on. So uh, we're talking to Ken O'Brien. This is Entrepreneur 101. If you have a question for Ken about tech, startups, being an entrepreneur, et cetera, et cetera, give us a ring, 619-924-0980. That's 619-924-0980. All right, I want to go back to what you said uh, a few minutes ago about Mark, the uh, CEO of Gain Capital. And he had this new innovative idea, you said. And uh, mm. actually – worked for a, a little while for PwC's chief innovation officer. And she used to always, always, always say, what's the unmet need? And it mm -hmm. seems like what he did in this case in founding Forex.com is think about, okay, what's the unmet need in this industry? You know, regular people want to be able to trade. So how about I come up with a tool and a way for them to do that so it doesn't just have to be J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, you know, all the big right. investment banks, et cetera. So what's your thought on the meeting an unmet need in terms of ideas, being an entrepreneur, starting a company, et cetera? Well, it's, it's timing is everything, right? So you, you're, you, you've, you hit it on the head. Um, what he did is created an environment, um, saw the need, right? So you obviously need to be able to identify what the need is and, and how you can fulfill that. But in simplest terms, the individual um, was not able to get the credit lines and, and the trading lines to deal with the JP at JP Morgan or, or Goldman Sachs or whoever. So we kind of created this, this middle environment where the, we would take the retail customers, onboard them directly with us, 
and then we would have the the credit lines and the aggregate pools to deal with the banks and it was it was really genius at the time and it was a new product it's not just trading equities or stocks it was currencies which was you know kind of sexy and cool um you know in a, in a just timing right there was another major competitor in the market um you know in between the two of them they they basically cornered the the u.s market but um you know you need the idea, right? And you need to believe in the idea and it, and it needs to, to, to fulfill that need. Um, and again, it's, it's also timing, you know, it was just the right time, the right place. And, and he was able to get it done with, um, with, with the right individuals and, um, you know, good on him. Cause he, he did very well through the, through the whole thing. Um, but you know, you, you need to be able to have that vision and that stick to itiveness to believe in it. So, okay. You believe in it. Um, but, you know, you mentioned rolling up your sleeves. It's, it's going to take a lot of hard work and, and you need to believe in it and you need to love it because it's not easy. You know, it, it, it's especially in these startup environments and it, it takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears to, to make it happen. And if you're not, you know, 100 percent, 110 percent committed to it and loving what you're doing, um, you know, it, it's very hard to get that over the line and, and to be successful. I hope that made well, sense. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly seems like Mark uh, is and was uh, or was and is a visionary. And that's a word that I use in coaching somewhat often, that so many of us have visionary ideas, either around business or outside of business. And when we can devote the time and energy and commitment and determination to see those innovative ideas through to reality to act on that vision and create something great, then I think so many people can win all over the world as a result. Agreed. All right. Well, kudos to him and kudos to you for um, being, sounds like a right-hand person to him uh, all those years. So, you helped to grow Gain Capital globally. And obviously you're from the U.S., living in London now. Uh, you've worked internationally, traveled to countless countries, grown businesses in multiple countries. That obviously must have been very cool, but also challenging at the same time. So first question, what were the awesome parts about growing a business internationally? Well, there was a lot of awesome to it. I mean, that that was um, something I've always wanted to do. That was kind of a personal um, bucket list thing for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity uh, to to be able to do that. The uh, the coolest thing I think was, um, you know, again, this was new. This was a new idea. This was 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 innovative. Um, so you're going and you're applying for licenses. I, I I was able to set up the, you know, our our um, international offices in, in Hong Kong, Singapore, Tokyo, uh, London, Sydney, uh, Shanghai, and, and Toronto. Now, which was great. You know, that travel was fun and, and you know, being able to create teams and, and setting up offices. But the thing that, um, you know, really, really resonated right away is you have an instant realization of how much you don't know, you know, and it's it's kind of daunting and, and, and can be very scary. And in this case, it was really educating and dealing with regulators because you're you're in this case we were taking deposits customer deposits they're opening account with us just like you would with your normal broker and and you know um you know as you do now or you know just personal investing but 
it was a new uh, product line. It was a new technology. So you can see that some of these regulators are going to be fairly standoffish because they don't really have the rule book for it yet. So, you know, it was actually going in and explaining what it was, dealing with regulators to get the appropriate licenses that some of the licenses really didn't didn't exist for what we were we were looking to do. So it, it covered all the bases, not just back to to the infrastructure and, and being you know, uh, on the ground in these places to set up the offices and build the teams. It was really um, working with local government and local regulators to to uh, advance the dream, you know, and, and advance this this new innovation that uh, we felt very strongly about. So that was really the coolest thing for me to, and, and the sense of pride that came from that, being able to um, explain what it was and, and to grow within the, the international community and, and work with regulators on site to, uh, to make this thing happen. So, um, you know, I think that was the, the most exhilarating uh, thing from, from my perspective with regard to that. So what advice do you have for people when they are tackling something huge for the first time as you did in setting up the international offices in all these different countries, dealing with the regulators, et cetera? I mean, when you just think about that, I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds like so much. And I know how I would tackle it, but I want to hear your advice for people who are faced with a big, huge challenge. Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head there as well. It's, it's really taking it and, you know, you, you need to, to break it into digestible pieces, right? So there's, there's an end goal. There's a longer-term goal. But then there's going to be short-term milestones. And, you know, this is maybe where the organization piece of it comes into or, or you know, where I was complimentary in this. You know, I, I had, a, um, had the ability or, or was able to demonstrate the fact that, okay, I can keep my eye on the, on the long-term goal and, and, you know, keep that ball rolling, but setting effective milestones and breaking it down into digestible pieces that, um, you know, short-term wins, if you will. Because if you try to do the whole thing in one, in one bite, you'll just get overwhelmed, you know. And, and we had, uh, the first time we did it, it took a little bit longer. The next time we did it, we learned and adapted the the, the playbook, if you will, to, to kind of make these things happen. Um, and then, you know, we got more and more efficient and then became the blueprint for, for how we did this. And, you know, years years later, it became a much simpler process. So, you know, that I guess that is it, really, the identification of, of short and long-term goals, uh, effective milestones, and breaking that down into digestible pieces. Absolutely. I can't agree more. My personal time management system or philosophy is do five things a day and make those five things the first things I do in a particular day, whether I get them all done in the morning or over the course of the day. And it can be daunting when you have a huge task, but when you do break it down, you see the incremental progress, you meet each of the daily or weekly or whatever milestones and um, all of a sudden you look up and sooner or later your huge uh, challenge, uh, you've met the huge challenge, you've accomplished it. And as I think you said a minute or two ago, it feels freaking amazing when you do something like that. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, we, we, we hadn't, um, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities, Russ, to, to a lot of the things we're saying, which, you know, um, wasn't by design. So I, I, I do agree with your thinking there. And, and some of it sounds, sounds kind of silly, but I, I take a, a, you know, a similar approach in the morning. The first thing I do is jot down the five to 10, th- 10 things on, you know, written down on a piece of paper. These are the five to 10 yeah. things I want to accomplish. And then the ability to cross a line through them as you go, yeah. <laughs> you, you take a little bit of pride in that. So I, I totally agree with that approach. Yes. Well, uh, I've gotten number one on my five listing. It's uh, still morning here in New Orleans where I actually am today. And uh, I have the other four to go. It's funny. You say 10, I say five. I guess, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I work less hours per day than you do. It's probably <laughs> a separate, separate discussion. Not what I was saying at all, but, you know, yeah. My, my list tend to sometimes get, yeah, I, I, I got to practice what I preach, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but good stuff. Uh, I love that we think similarly in that way. All right, so uh, when you were at Game Capital, you guys acquired other companies. Um, So it's kind of the flip of what you experienced at your first company where you got, your company got acquired. Now you are acquiring other companies. So as you think back to that, what were the qualities that you and Mark, the CEO, looked for in those organizations. Yeah, you know, this, not to be repetitive, but it's very similar to the personnel uh, discussion we were having earlier, which is we tended to look for complementary uh, business lines, not not the same, same, right? You know, like the same, same can sometimes be a mistake. So uh, diversification was the strategy, you know, both in region. You know, we wanted diversification in our regionality. Um, uh, do they have regulation or do they have a, you know, sometimes a, a buy versus build approach where to go into, um, you know, a certain region and, and try to build it from the ground up may not be the best strategy. So you look for complementary business lines that, um, you know, maybe they're, they're a couple years um, ahead of you as far as the regulations you're seeking. So they offer something that is complementary to your, to your business need. You know, that also holds true in, in the product offering diversification of revenue streams, you know, protecting, protecting the assets. Uh, is this something that, that may not be exactly the same as our business model, um, but it can add value. And, you know, the, you know, as far as the end goal is to create the, the most value in the company or the, the, you know, um, I don't want to say sales price, but, you know, the more value you can create um, with, with a complementary revenue stream, the, the, the more you're, you're getting out or can get from the, the organization. So not to get long-winded about it, but it's really synergies in a, in a word um, that it's not exactly the same. You know, it's, it's, it's um, you know, complementary in nature, but offers a, a strategic diversification in, in what you do well. You know, you don't want to get off on, on tangents or do something completely different if you're selling widgets versus, um, you know, uh, something completely out to lunch. But if it does add a, a diversification and a, um, the ability to, to add to the overall value, that, that's the sort of thing we were looking for in, those, in that expansion um, and M&A strategies. And I think that can be relevant even for somebody like me who is a solo entrepreneur. I'm always talking about being a multipreneur and having diverse revenue streams. I get some money from coaching. I get some money from speaking at companies, some from working with Rutgers University in New Jersey, some from my books, some from the Life Coach Radio Networks. So uh, I think 
that diversifying the revenue makes sense, just like we would want a diverse investment portfolio for our That's investment. It. We also want a diverse uh, set of income coming in so that if anything bad were to ever happen with one of them, we still have the other revenue streams to support us. That's it. It seems simple. It seems, you know, uh, pretty, pretty cliche, but, um, you know, it, it holds true. And that's, that's exactly the, uh, the approach we were looking to, uh, to take with that. Good. All right. Um, some more questions for you. We have about 15 minutes or so left to go. If you want to ask Ken O'Brien a question about startups, technology, being an entrepreneur, give us a ring 619-924-0980. That's 619-924-0980. So uh, also at Gain Capital, you identified merger opportunities, alliance opportunities at PwC. Uh, We actually hired somebody uh, to do that in our department. We didn't have somebody to do that before, and I'm a big proponent of this. Why would you say that merger opportunities and alliance opportunities are so important? Well, it's it's similar to the you know to the diversification strategy we were talking about you know it, it's really a, a time to market uh, game right and if why reinvent the wheel if there could be uh, you could leapfrog um, based on work that's already been done and if you can plug it in or bolt it on um, to your well-oiled machine then you know you're 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 that you're that much closer you're that far uh, ahead of the game so I really think that the the merger and alliance uh, identification of opportunities is really back to that diversification strategy and, and complementary in nature, but it's a time game. And I, I think that in simplest terms is is really time to market. You know, you don't have the, the, the pockets to, to, you know, develop all these, these, the necessary elements from scratch, go out and buy it, you know, go out and, and, and bolt it on because the hard work's already been done. And if it, if it um, makes your organization that much more efficient and, and um, you know, uh, that would be the, the strategic approach for um, what we were trying to gain from, from those exercises. And I think if we have, I'm sure we have many themes from this episode, but one in particular is obviously looking for complementary skill set, businesses, et cetera. And I think yeah. sometimes in life or at work, as I said before, we have a competitive mindset, but that doesn't serve us well. Uh, it's better to have a cooperative mindset to figure out, okay, who complements us, and whether a business or a person, and how can we come up with some kind of arrangement, whether hiring, acquiring, merger, alliance, where we can formally complement each other and come up with a win-win situation. Right. Exactly. Good. All right. So uh, last question on Gain Capital. Uh, Seven years ago in 2010, Gain Capital goes public, and you got to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. Is that right? Yes, I was on the I was on the podium. Mark Mark actually rang the bell. It's uh, it's not really a bell. It's 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 a button, if you could believe that. (laughs) No way. I want to hear. It's not all. I want to hear all about the experience, being on the podium, the emotions and feelings you were having in that moment, et cetera. 
Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, again. I'll, I'll say it was a bucket list goal. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of satisf- satisfaction, a lot of pride. Um, it was fun. You know, you're staring out uh, over that uh, the expanse of the, the the New York Stock Exchange. It's a cool experience. Um, you know, obviously there was a number of my uh, my teammates um, and colleagues uh, up there with me, but um, you know, there, there was a lot of emotions there. It was a, it was a, uh, a long-term goal for the organization, um, you know, and, and to, to allow that or to, to enable that to happen was, uh, you know, a great source of pride for me professionally and, and personally. Um, you know, that, the, you know, scary too, you know, you're standing up there. It's, um, it's, it's quite an experience. It's hard to, hard to put into words, but it's a culmination of a lot of hard work by a lot of people um, and, and a good team. So, um, you know, definitely one that I'll, I'll never forget. Well, I love that you have already mentioned two bucket list goals that you've accomplished, uh, all the work that you've done internationally and then being there uh, to ring the bell uh, on the podium at the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you know, I'm all about people living their best life and accomplishing their dreams. It's excellent to see that you've done it in uh, multiple areas. So I wanted to make sure pause and congratulate you on that. It's a huge accomplishment. And, and as you said, I'm sure an incredible feeling and experience. Yes. Thanks. Uh, Much appreciated. Yeah. Speaking of that, what's next on your bucket list from a career standpoint, since you're so excellent at accomplishing the stuff that's on your bucket. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. Basically, getting back to basics. I, uh, you know, I think I, I mentioned that I, I am actually in the midst of a, another career change, getting back to, um, you know, a more of a of a startup environment again. Uh, Saxo Bank, where I currently am, is a great organization. Um, nothing but good things to say, but it's much larger, right? So it's 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 a larger institution. It's probably the largest. It is the largest I've worked for in my career, um, and I have an opportunity back in the states that I'll be returning to, which is more in my um, uh, immediate focus, you know, a sales business development type role where I'm uh, more externally focused, which is something I, I've learned that I missed more than I thought and, and, and really enjoy doing um, in a much smaller environment. You know, I, I, I like it. You know, it, it can, can be um, difficult at times. It can be uh, trying and, and, you know, long hours and all that sort of thing. But it's what I've done. It's what I'm used to. It's, it's a comfort zone for me. So getting back to the external focus and the sales BD side of things and in a, in a smaller environment, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to getting back to that, getting back to basics, if you will. So that's, that's, that is the, the next move for me that I'm currently in the midst of. Well, uh, sending all good vibes your way. And uh, I know I speak for a lot of us here in the U S that will be grateful to have you and your family back in the States and, uh, Nothing but good luck in that role. And also, you know, I know from working at PwC, the huge place, and now being a solo entrepreneur, we can't fully have the gratitude for the small environment without experiencing the big environment and the good parts, but also the challenges of that environment. Yes, well said. Thank you. All right, so on the side, you're also an advisor and consultant for Ben Franklin Tech Partners, uh, and I love that you help incubator and early-stage companies. What would you say are the top two or three pieces of advice you offer these types of organizations? 
Yeah, you know, it is it it is kind of a, a give back sort of thing. I mean, I, I I do enjoy working with them. There's a lot of good ideas out there. Um, you know, the again, the, the not to be cliche about it, but you know, it, it's really a a, a stick to itiveness. You know, stick to your guns, believe in your idea, um, and and stay the course because there's going to be um, a lot of potholes along the way, and 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 you know, the key is not to get derailed, and and you need to stay focused on that. You know, the other thing I would say is back to this, this complementary skill set, you need to be able to recognize your deficiencies, um, you know, both as an organization and as a leader or individual within that organization. You'll find, at least my experience has shown, that the, the early entrepreneur, the early visionary that we talked about, um, you know, he's, he's the guy that, that gets it off, gets the, the, the rocket in the air. But, you know, as it grows and as the organization matures, different skills are required um, to, to keep it going and, and to grow. So you'll find that a lot of times being able to recognize those, those deficiencies or those gaps sooner could make your, um, your idea or your, your um, company, if you will, that much more successful. You know, so it's, it's a tough thing for an entrepreneur and it's a tough thing for a CEO um, within that, that organization because it's his baby or her baby. And, um, you know, recognizing that you don't, you may not have all the answers quicker than, than the next guy, I think, you know, is, is, a, is a skill in, in its own. You know, back to debate and, and different perspective uh, can be healthy and, and is absolutely necessary at times. So, you know, don't surround yourself with, with yes people. It's, it's really about that debate and getting a, a, a perspective. And I think, you know, a lot of people say they, they want perspective and they ask for perspective, but they're really not listening. You know, they're really just, it's, it's, it's not really taking it to heart or digesting what's being said to you. So I, I think that's, that's an important lesson to learn and, and to truly engage and listen and take that to heart as opposed to waiting for your next moment to speak sort of thing and to force your, your idea down not down somebody's throat, but, you know, it's, it's being able to be receptive to, to, uh, different ideas. I love it. Well, all of that I think is excellent advice, certainly for startups, um, the founder CEO type people, but honestly for anybody in business that is in a leadership role, you know, recognize yeah. the deficiencies, recognize the gaps, give up control, don't just have yes people on your team really listen to individuals and hear what their feedback is. I think the advice that you just shared, while certainly relevant in the startup space, is relevant for everyone. So um, thank you. Very, very wise. Um, Cheers. Is there a business that sticks out to you as something new and cool that you are working with, advising, consulting for, whether through Ben Franklin Tech Partners or otherwise, that you think our listeners would like to hear about or like to look out for as it grows and becomes a viable, big, well-known business? Uh, the... You know, the the most interesting thing, and I'm actually going to put myself at a disadvantage, There, there's certain technologies that um, 
we're involved with on the currency side of things. So back to, to you know, where I come from, Saxo Bank is a, is a broker dealer um, in, the, in the currency space, among other asset classes. Gain Capital was the same thing. Uh, FNX was the, the software, or the underlying infrastructure for that. The thing that I think is most relevant that I don't know that much about, and it's probably my kids could, could tell me more about it, but I personally want to find um, um, the time to explore further is is really uh, Bitcoin and and the blockchain technologies because you're seeing so much innovation around them not just from from finance perspective not just Bitcoin itself but the underlying blockchain technology which I know very little about and want to learn so much more because there's so much adaptive business going on around that and the application of that technology I think we haven't even tipped the iceberg yet. Um, and, and the more I hear about it and the more I learn about it, um, I'm going to self-educate myself. And, and hopefully I think that that's probably something you're going to be hearing a lot about in, in, the, in the next few years. And it's crazy. I mean, being in the industry that you've been in, it must be and have been a constant learning process for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it changes you know overnight, and and you know, the fact that you can now trade a cryptocurrency um, on on exchange, and um, you know, again, it's ahead of the regulation. People don't know what to do with it. People don't know how to trust it, how to engage with it. Um, you know, and it's 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 new. It's cool. It's it's something you know pretty sexy. And I think the real, you know, back to the the, the underlying technology, its application globally. I think we we haven't even touched on yet. And uh, you know, again, maybe it's something my my kids will uh, will be be more interfaced with uh, than than I will. But um, you know, I, I definitely think that that's there's there's a lot more coming out of that, that we'll hear about very shortly. Well, you referenced the younger generation, and I always say that it's excellent to have young people around us because often they know stuff that we don't know, and that gets back to our big theme of today's show about having complementary skill sets. So whether it's our kids, a college student that we're mentoring or that we know, we can absolutely learn just as much from them as they can learn from us. I would say more. I mean, you look at this millennial group and, you know, the funny thing, an example of that, when we created new software or created new uh, products within, you know, our, our platforms, I'd actually sit my son in front of the computer, to, you know, and then have him walk through it. You know, are you able from an, ex- this is back to the, you know, chief experience officer type thing, the UI, like how do you interface with it? Is it, is it uh, easy to do? Is it, you know, something that, that resonates with, with the younger population? Because that's, that's your client of the future. You know, and, and not being able to engage with them in a meaningful way, um, you really preclude yourself from, from, from success. So I, I think not only learning, but engaging them and, and um, you know, is, is critical to, to the success of anything we do in the, in, the, in the coming years. Wow. So freaking cool. I love it. All right. So uh, a few minutes left for us. Last question for you or last series of questions. So we've talked a lot, given a lot of advice, especially for startups, technology companies, et cetera. Uh, what would you say to any of our listeners who are either contemplating becoming an entrepreneur or they've begun down the path, but maybe they're struggling a little bit? Hmm. Well, it, it really, yeah, it, it comes down to the, the ability of um, deflection of rejection. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a road to hoe. Um, and, and you got to stick with it. You got to believe in what you're doing. You got to like it. Um, 
you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you need to be adaptive and you need to be malleable, but, you know, the, the, to stay the course and, and to, to work hard to that North star, um, you know, that's the only thing that's, that's, that's going to get you there, you know, and, and, you know, to have that fortitude, um, is absolutely necessary to, uh, you know, to, to take it to the next level. So it's really, again, being able to to adapt and, and uh, deflection of any rejection, stay the course, love what you do, and, you know, keep the fortitude to, to, to make it successful. I love that phrase, deflection of rejection. I'm going to tweet about the show afterward. And uh, that's an excellent uh, uh, catchphrase, if you will. But Cheers. I think it's true. You know, it doesn't matter how many knows we get as long as we get some yeses and the more knows that we get the better chances we have of getting yeses exactly exactly and you're going to get knows we all know that you know it's just especially as an entrepreneur that you know you're you're going to be struggling you got to you got to keep the faith and um you know uh be be true to yourself to that regard and uh you know who cares what anybody else has to say it's it's <laughs> you're the only one that's going to be able to make it successful absolutely well uh, Ken O'Brien, this has been a fantastic hour. I'm sure all of our uh, fellow Lansdale Catholic graduate and uh, uh, people affiliated with the school will be very proud of us in general, but you specifically, you've accomplished a lot of great stuff in your career, uh, some bucket list things, and you shared a lot of really great wisdom with everybody today. So I'm super grateful to you for your time. Um, a lot of the specifics that you talked about, et cetera. Um, thanks for being an excellent second guest here on Entrepreneur 101. Uh, my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, really, really humbling. Very, very much appreciated, Russell. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll be sure to share this with our classmates so they can listen if they weren't able to tune in live. All right. Well, uh, thanks to Ken. He did an awesome job. Again, I'm Russ Terry, founder and CEO here at Life Coach Radio Networks. Uh, we'll be back again in late July for our next episode of Entrepreneur 101. In the meantime, if you are an entrepreneur, new entrepreneur, contemplating becoming one, and you think coaching can help you make it happen, implementing a lot of the stuff that Ken and I talked about today, uh, get in touch with me, Russ at RussTerryLifeCoach.com. That's Russ at RussTerryLifeCoach.com. Or you can go to my website, RussTerryLifeCoach.com for more info. Also, like us on Facebook, Life Coach Radio Network. Again, for my guest, Ken O'Brien, and everybody here at the Life Coach Radio Networks, I'm Russ Terry. Thanks for listening to our entire episode, and we'll see you again in late July. Cheers. Thanks, Russ. Bye now. Yeah, you're welcome. Great job, Ken.